Welcome to the Innovation in Government show, sponsored by Kerasoft. Each month, we'll talk with industry experts who enable innovation and make government more responsive and secure by advancing key technologies. Now, here's your host, Jason Miller. Welcome to the show. My guest is Tom Topping, the Senior Director of Strategic Programs for FireEye. Welcome, Tom. Thank you. Glad to be here. Let me set a little context for our discussion today. The federal government recognized early that it doesn't corner the market on cyber threat intelligence. The concept becomes even more important when you consider the growing use of connected devices and the fact that at least 85% of the nation's critical infrastructure is run by the private sector. The Homeland Security Department has launched several programs over the last five years to improve the collection and sharing of cyber threat data. DHS's Automated Indicator Sharing, or AIS, program turned two years old back in October as one example of, of those efforts. While progress to achieve a two-way sharing has become slower than maybe the agency and many others have hoped, there are more than 250 commercial organizations participating in AIS, uh, where most of the sharing, unfortunately, is maybe one way from the government to industry, or as Tom may tell us, industry to government. We're going to get into that in a little bit. The implementation of the second generation of threat sharing standards called Sticks and Taxi, Taxi with two eyes in case you're keeping score at home, will help make this process easier, but it's not the only answer. And then you talk about the Defense Department. They're doing a ton of work around threat and information sharing. They're probably one among the leaders. The Joint Force Headquarters Doden DoD Information Networks is testing a new data analytics platform that's meant to use automated data analytics techniques to spot the sorts of behavior adversaries have been known to engage in as they lay the groundwork for an attack. The integrated cyber intelligence platform is using only commercially provided threat data as DoD continues to prove out its use case. So how do agencies and industries share data more quickly and more easily? What can be done to overcome the remaining barriers? Well, that's where my guest comes in. Once again, Tom Topping, the Senior Director of Strategic Programs for FireEye. Tom, I laid out just a, some basics around cyber threat, but let me, I'm actually going to start at the beginning of our conversation instead and go, really, when we talk about cyber threat intelligence, what is it? Cyber threat intelligence is many things to many people. There's a lot of dialogue in the marketplace about cyber threat intelligence today. And the way I look at it is that there's cyber data and there's cyber information. And these are, these are very specific pieces of information. But you've got to start with the data and the information and then do analysis on that to provide insights that turn it into intelligence. So it's the combination of those three things, the data, the information, and the insights that it generates. So some people will say, what's the difference between data and information? Data tends to be specific, discrete elements, and information might be a little bit larger pieces of information, but not broad stories or backgrounds or context. And when we talk about the data, the information, turn them into intelligence, the real key piece here is the analytics that, that rides or that connects the two. Is that something that people are, are starting to use more and more of? I mean, what, what's the difference today with cyber threat intelligence than maybe five or seven or 10 years ago? Well, for one, there's a lot more of it. There's an absolute flood of cyber, you know, anything related to computers or cyber attack is considered by some to be cyber threat intelligence. And then you use the term analytics and you can throw all of that data into a database and start doing correlations on it. But really for it to become intelligence, you need to analyze the data in such a way that it becomes useful. And to someone who needs to use it, it's gotta be timely, it's got to be accurate, and they've got to be able to use it. So there you go. All right, that's a good definition because I think a lot of times people, we hear data, we hear information. Everyone loves to talk about big data analytics, but what is it? So the timely, the accuracy, and, and usability, I think, is key. Uh, I also hear the three, what is it, the five Vs of data analytics, right? Volume, velocity, veracity, 
I'm missing my other two. Am I missing? Is there five or am I only three? Re- you know, I'm I'm not a data analytics expert, no. so you just you just push past I, the end of that that boundary. You. That's okay. That's okay. Well, we can we can we can we'll, we'll bring a data analytics person on later, and we'll, we'll get them to talk about Good. it. When you talk about the the use of of cyber threat data. Give me a sense of how it's being used today and how's that maybe different than what's been in the past and where are we going forward with the use of it? Because I think that's the key, not just timeline accuracy, but really what do I what does it mean to me? It's being used in a variety of ways and and this is this is really important because I see a huge opportunity for organizations today to leverage accurate, relevant, timely cyber information to really move the needle on how they're able to defend themselves. And what I mean by this is if you can take cyber intelligence and and use that to understand who your threat actors are, if you know who's coming after you and you know how they attack organizations, all of a sudden your problem becomes smaller. And that's one of the real key metrics that cyber intelligence, that you want cyber intelligence to do for you you don't want it to flood you with data and make your problem harder. You want it to enable your organization to focus and then to take it from very specific indicators all the way up to being able to talk to the executives about risk. And you bring up risk, and we can't go anywhere without talking about cyber and cyber risk. And especially as we go down the path of broader conversation around supply chain risk management and insider threat risks. But let me take a half a step back and how can people use cyber threat intelligence to deal with those risks? And let's start with the CISOs and the CIOs, and then I want to move us to the program people and the executives. But start with CIOs and CISOs. Sure. So organizations first, if you look at the risk management framework or whatever framework you're using to determine what's appropriate to do, you have to understand what's at stake, right? What does somebody want to come and get? Is it credit card data, is it PII, is it personnel files, is it medical records, whatever it is that whatever it is that your organization has, maybe it's intellectual property. You have to understand what it is you're protecting and what are the consequences if that data becomes breached or destroyed. And that enables the organization and the leadership to define what the risk is. And it's only from that can an organization really decide what's appropriate with respect to how to address the risk. So once you decide what is at risk and what the consequences are of that bad thing happening, then you want to turn to cyber threat intelligence to look at those threat actors that are targeting that kind of information. And what tools are they using? What are their tools, techniques, and procedures that they're using, employing, to breach organizations, compromise that information, and steal it? or destroy it, or whatever it is they're going to do. And that's how cyber threat intelligence can really make a difference for a lot of organizations, is understanding how the threat actors are going to come and try to do what they're going to do. And how are they doing that today? How did they do it yesterday? How might they do it tomorrow? Because if you're trying to protect against everything, you can't. So the more you can focus, the more efficient you can get. It seems to me that when we talk about risk management, and I think you can't go anywhere without Someone bring it up, this idea of risk mitigation, risk management. The cyber threat is that next piece that says, okay, I understand what risks I have. Now, how do I deal with those risks? I mean, that seems to me like that's the next yep. piece to this puzzle. Yep. That was the point I, I was trying to make. And it goes all the way from the CIO and the CISO down through the SOC and all the way down to the tactical level. So f- from an operational point of view, if you understand who's going to come after you and how they're going to do it, you can make decisions about how your defensive cyber operations tools and people are deployed 
to align against those risks. Okay, that's an operational level and not the strategic risk level, but the operational level. And then down at the tactical level, if that cyber threat intelligence is deep and current, you can take those indicators and those TTPs and you can plug them into your sensors and look in those parts of your systems where the bad guys are going to operate. And you can give the people on the very front line the data and the direction they need to go find those threat actors that are the most concerning for you. And what about at the higher level? You talked about the tactical level, the operational level, the CIO, CISO, but then you have the mission side and you also have the executive side. And I think there's a big concern in the cybersecurity community that we've become numb to cyber attacks, to cyber threats, that we hear it, it happens so often. Uh, you know, it's not a matter of, you know, if it's a when question. So I can't do anything about it. I'll just deal with it. So how do you get the, the people at the higher levels of the CISO and CIO to understand that this cyber threat intelligence information is important and how to use it too? That's a really good question because comprehensive cyber threat intelligence can enable the operators, the people in the SOC and the, and the people managing the SOC and then the CISO to approach the executive team and talk to the executive team in terms of risk around whatever the mission or the business is for the organization. And that's how the leadership thinks. What's the risk to our organization? And they're not talking about tools and they're not talking about IP addresses. They're talking about risks to the business or the agency or whatever the organization is. And having that cyber threat intelligence that can span that from tactical to strategic enables the folks to have a conversation with leadership around risks to the mission. Where is this happening? Maybe any examples come to mind of maybe where this is happening well? Are you guys working with any customers that maybe you could talk to? I know maybe there's some sensitivities there, but even generally speaking, are you working with any organizations that are taking that information, that intelligence from the SOC level and, and making sure it gets funneled to the executive level? Yeah, I've got a really good example. We have a customer that we began engaging, and one of the things we did to help them understand the risks facing them is we applied the indicators and the findings from previous attacks over the past three or four years, and we applied cyber threat intelligence to that. And what we ended up finding working with the customer was those were not discrete individual events. Those were all tied to the same threat actor, and they had been under a sustained attack by a specific threat actor for the last three years. And that was something that the SOC didn't know and leadership didn't know, but that really allowed the entire organization to understand both that there was something persistent going on, but help them focus on what they were after and, again, focus their resources. And I think that's really the, what this comes down to. There's limited resources. You can't protect everything. That's right. And you know, the, the, what's the best computer is one that's unplugged, buried in a lead box underground or something to that effect. So by being able to understand what people are going after, what the adversaries are going after, and then what, is, what does it mean to you as a mission area – then that leads you to kind of refocus your resources. That's really where we're heading, though. I mean, that's the end result. And that's the objective. That's exactly right. It's about being more effective at combating these threats for the same dollar. And no one can afford to protect from everything. And they'll never be able to be. So what we need to do is, is we need to focus and protect those things that need protecting the most and protect them in ways that the people that want to come and get them are going to use to come and get them. And if you can bring that focus to bear, you can do things far more efficiently. And in addition to saving money, not just on tools and things like that, but you'll end up having your people 
doing things that are more valuable. Every member of the team will be doing something more valuable because there will be greater levels of automation and there will be greater levels of focus. So then you've got folks really focused on the valuable problem. You bring up automation, that can be a much longer conversation. We're going to head there in a second. And we're almost time for a quick break. Before we do that, uh, let me get a quick, quick sense of when we talk about cyber threat intelligence, it's coming from where most of the time? Is it coming from companies like FireEye? Is it coming from DHS? G give me a sense. So a couple of perspectives. From an organization perspective, as you said, Jason, it comes from everywhere. I mean, there's information sharing. They're generating cyber information off of the sensors in the agency or the, or the organization. They're getting it from DHS. They probably have some relationships with some people they used to work with, and they're sharing it that way. But that, again, is cyber data. And many organizations are turning to the commercial market, and they're acquiring data from the commercial market. And, you know, they have to be very specific and, and careful that what they're getting from there and they're beginning to utilize, again, to, to go back to it, that it's accurate, that it's timely, and that's relevant to them. I mean, if they're getting a big stream of bad domain names and those things are relevant to people getting attacked in Eastern Europe, it's noise to them. It's, it's complicating the problem. So, so, yeah, there's a lot of folks out there and people should look closely. All right, good advice. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we can jump into some of these other topics, including probably automation. You're listening to the discussion Innovation in Government, sponsored by Kerasoft on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. FireEye is changing the way government agencies defend against a new breed of cyber criminals. As today's threat landscape grows ever more complex, defending government agencies becomes increasingly challenging. FireEye combines world-class technology with an unrivaled global intelligence network at an expert team of cybersecurity consultants. FireEye helps government agencies find and stop advanced attacks that other security technologies can't even see, yet alone stop. To learn more, visit FireEye.com. That's F-I-R-E-E-Y-E.com. Tune in on Tuesdays at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. for the Innovation in Government show, sponsored by Kerasoft and its partners. Learn from industry experts who enable innovation and make government more responsive and secure by advancing technologies. Innovation in Government examines a wide range of topics and evaluates their payoff. Cybersecurity, big data, cloud computing, and more. Innovation in Government, Tuesdays at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 a.m. Search keyword innovation. Welcome back. You're listening to the discussion Innovation in Government, sponsored by Kerasoft on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest is Tom Topping, the Senior Director of Strategic Programs for FireEye. Tom, we spent the first half of the show talking about what is cyber threat intelligence. You talked about accuracy. You talked about uh, value. You talked about timeliness. Let's talk about what, how to set up a program. Okay, so we're going to get all this data, all this information. We're going to add analytics, but really how do I use it? So maybe if you're going to implement, and I think everybody is implementing some sort of cyber threat intelligence program, what, what are some of the steps? How do you go about doing that? The right approach is really to start from the top and define what the organizational goals are for cyber threat intelligence. And from that, you will determine a list of the stakeholders in the organization that are relevant to cyber threat intelligence. And for many organizations, it's from the secretary or board of directors all the way down to the SOC and the CERT and the incident response teams. For other organizations, sometimes they just use cyber threat intelligence more tactically. But once you have your stakeholders identified, then you've got to engage those stakeholders and determine what they want to achieve, and what they want to come out of it, and really what you're after is to derive their requirements. 
And then once you pull all of that together and you analyze it against the threat and what you're trying to protect, then you can begin to take the steps to see what sources you have, what sources you need, which of those sources are machine readable and easy to integrate and automate and where people need to get plugged in to take action. But you know, having a cyber threat intelligence program span from the executive level down to the operational level really facilitates a dialogue within the organization from the tactical cyber stuff up to the risk level discussions. You said an interesting point, which sources are machine readable, easy to automate, and which ones aren't. I would hope by now that almost everything is machine readable and easy to automate. I mean, I brought up sticks and taxis on the, on the front end of our discussion. I know DHS is now implementing version two. Where are we with this whole discussion of not just automation, but machine readable, easy to understand? Sure. My guess is that anyone in the listening audience that's been in, in cyber for more than five years has a term in mind they're thinking right now, and that's the spreadsheet of doom. And that's been the mechanism for so long by which cyber data has been shared, right? Let's collect those IP addresses and domains and maybe the hashes that we want to uh, block or tell somebody to block and we'll send it over in a spreadsheet. There are several efforts underway in industry to define the standards by which the data is structured, sticks, and the protocols by which they're exchanged, taxi is an example. But it just depends on what tools the organization's using, what analytics they have, but there are RESTful APIs. There are all kinds of ways for, for the data to be accessed and then utilized. And it comes down to the very specific needs of an organization. I would hope that that spreadsheet of doom still doesn't exist. Please tell me you haven't seen that in a while. Well, I don't know. All, the, all of your listeners can send you an email about whether they get a spreadsheet of doom. But my guess is that there's a lot of spreadsheets of doom still out there. Oh, no. Not, not a good sign if it's still out there. I mean, especially since as you brought up APIs, you would think that it's how hard would it be to write an API to at least make this automation happen, which actually is a great segue down to the path of automation. I mean, that's in many ways because of the volume and the velocity of data, of information, of the analytics results, you really do need that automation to implement the changes because a human just couldn't keep up. Yep, you really do. And there are several things that are happening to drive automation within a security operations center. You see a lot of that in products that are that facilitate or automate IT operations and now similar kind of orchestration products that are automating security operations. You can also find a huge amount of automation within specific vendor product suites because those vendors have had the luxury of time and engineering effort to fully integrate what they have. So it ends up being a combination of all that. And there's still, almost every organization still has some wizard in the back room that is automating by hand themselves and they still do it. And when the engineer or the sergeant leaves, all of a sudden, you know, the scripts are breaking, but folks have been trying to automate for quite a while. But without this automation, this success around cyber threat intelligence, using it to make decisions, it just, it's not going to happen well. I mean, this is, this has to be the if you will, the golden cup <laughs> in many ways. I think you're right, but it's, it, it isn't just that because if you look at a piece of finished cyber intelligence, many of your listeners will remember back to a 2013 when Mandiant released the APT1 report about the Chinese. This was a PDF. 
but it was a cyber intelligence report that identified the actor, identified the tools, identified things you could look for on, on your network. And it was a PDF, but it, it was a PDF that enabled leadership to have a discussion around risk. So it isn't just automation, but automation is critical, even necessary, to gain full advantage of utilizing cyber threat intelligence. You brought this up a little bit earlier as well, this idea of using automation and orchestration to also move employees away from we'll use what the Trump administration is calling low value work to high value work, if you will. I think that's actually a good way to describe what's happening. And a lot of that is the person in the data center watching the blinking lights, right? Can you automate some of those blinking lights now? Is that the other piece to this is ensuring because automation is going to help your workforce add more value to managing risk? Yes. And another customer use case is we have two customers that have that are using orchestration tools internally. And part of what they've automated is information sharing. So they're detecting stuff on each side. They're using the orchestration to pass those specific indicators back and forth. They're very high fidelity indicators that are getting plugged straight into detection and blocking rules. And the efficacy on, on each side has is gone up. So it, it's the perfect story. And um, what we need to do is, is we need to see a lot of that same kind of thing happening all over the place. Aside from the people side, but this automation orchestration piece, what's happening from a government perspective? Is the Homeland Security Department through AIS, through other things, what's happening with that sharing piece? Because is, is, is it still, is DHS sending FireEye uh, the spreadsheet of doom? Please tell me they're not. No, FireEye, like, like many organizations, is, is participating with DHS in information sharing. DHS has also acquired very comprehensive cyber threat intelligence uh, that is made available to the civilian departments. So those organizations that aren't sure what they have access to should get a hold of DHS and see what's there and, and, and learn how to use it because there's, uh, there's some very good stuff available. And you see that this is happening two ways, or is it one way? I mean, I said in my intro, it feels like there's a lot of one-way information sharing, government to industry, because industry is worried about liability and stuff sharing back. When we were talking, you know, before we got started here, you said, well, there's funny, because the industry sees it the other way. The government's worried about unclassifying data and sharing their information. So what, what, where, where are we at, I guess, with threat intelligence information sharing, generally speaking? You know, I, I think that as opposed to commenting about, uh, around who can share what, or what do they have and what aren't they sharing? That, that none of those is productive. Let's figure out what is being shared and what somebody might be willing to share and consider that within the realm of what's possible and then figure out how, how to leverage that. And, and I think that, that from an agency, a department, from an enterprise perspective, doing an analysis of, of what's at hand, what's available, and is it accurate, is it timely, is it relevant – is it actionable? And if the answer to those four is yes, there's some serious value to be had there. And I think that that's very much worth looking into. I know you can't speak for all of industry, but from maybe from FireEye's perspective to a certain extent, are there any concerns that you guys still have around sharing with the government uh, when it comes to threat intelligence? Is, is there anything that stands out there that said, well, if they could only address this issue or if Congress can address that issue, that would make things even better? Anything that comes to mind? No. Through our, our customers, most of our federal customers uh, consume threat intelligence that flows downstream from FireEye. 85% of our customers globally share with us. And we have a handful of 
federal organizations that share with us, and that gives them a huge value. So, so, so think about this. An organization's sensor equipment detects something, that gets shared with FireEye, and FireEye returns attribution to the organization. And now they haven't lifted a finger, and they know specifically who's attacking them. And then through, through uh, cyber threat intelligence, if they can access that and then understand what are the other indicators that might indicate that that threat actor is in my uh, environment, we can take those indicators, hand them to the hunt team, and now the hunt team is looking for something that's relevant. And the organization has gone from one indicator to attribution, and maybe not a specific threat actor, but to a tool set. Hey, what are the other indicators for that tool set? And now you've enabled the SOC to focus, you've enabled the hunt team to focus, and maybe you've enabled the IR team to focus. And all of that focus is efficiency and and results. So uh, again, you're getting much better cyber results for dollar spent. You bring up a great piece of information, almost a great segue when you talk about the threat sharing piece. There's the commercial cyber threat intelligence. It seems like uh, the government's using more of it. As you said, FireEye is, is sharing with 85% of your customers or, or, or something to that effect. Maybe talk about the role that the commercial threat intelligence is, is having, both in the private sector, but also in the government public sector. Um, I think that the environment, the, the market, uh, federal agencies, a- enterprises are beginning to see the value of comprehensive cyber threat intelligence. Part of the problem, Jason, is that there's a lot of noise out there. I mean, every every vendor with a with uh, a widget is sharing, is pushing some kind of information down to their product and they're calling it cyber threat intelligence. So enterprises really need to, to take a look at what their, what their sources are and whether those are, whether those sources enable them to simplify their problem, to focus on who their threat actors are and, and uh, pivot from indicators to, to uh, simplify the, the, the mission of the SOC. And once, uh, agencies and organizations do that inventory of, of what's available to them, they can find ways to to shrink their problem and save money and be more effective. And I think that's a huge piece of this discussion. It's not just, hey, there's data out there. Hey, there's information out there. Hey, there's an, an analytical tools you can run those data and information through. But what's the end result? Be more effective. And, and you know, I tell you, Tom, this has been a very great conversation, but we're just about out of time. So let's, that's a good way to talk about what's the takeaways. What, you know, no agency is starting at zero with cyber threat intelligence. No, no agency, even the Defense Department's at, at 100. How do you, how do agencies move the needle to get closer to 100? What are some of the things based on our conversation that they need to keep in mind as they continue to develop their cyber threat intelligence efforts? A couple things I'd I'd offer as a takeaway. One is do a review, do an internal review, and and see what you're using, what you have access to, and do you think you're getting the results you'd like to out of it? Right? Are, is it helping you shrink the problem? Is it helping you focus on those threat actors that are most likely to to attack you? And as you go through that review and and analyze. Uh, those those assets you have, those sources you have, and whether you're getting those results. If you need help, ask for it. There there are many in the industry who 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 can help turn that cyber threat intelligence into into very positive outcomes. Tom, this has been a fascinating conversation. I really appreciate your time today. Unfortunately, though, we're out of time. So let me thank my guest, Tom Topping, the senior director of strategic programs for FireEye. Tom, thank you very much. Thank you for the invite. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to the discussion Innovation in Government, sponsored by Kerasoft on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. 
For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsradio.com and search innovation. Thank you for listening to the Innovation in Government show, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. The entire discussion can be found on demand at Federal News Radio, keyword innovation.